0: Happy Mother's Day! Come on, can we give it up for all the moms in the room today? We're going to do a couple of things. We want to give away some stuff. Is it all right if we give away a few things this morning? We have our lovely assistant. Everybody say, hi, bravery. All right, she's going to draw some some tickets, so if you got your ticket, grab that. First thing we're going to give away is this bouquet of flowers, beautiful bouquet of flowers. Uh, this was the Whitaker family, uh, Abby Whitaker, Britton Whitaker. Um, this was one of the things they were doing to be able to raise money for the adoption process that they're in right now. They also have T-shirts that are available that all the proceeds go toward that. We would highly recommend that you uh, get involved in that some way and be a part of what they're doing. But this was provided by them, so we're going to read off. What do we got here? All right, 597, which is everybody, 671. Who is it? Who is it? Yeah.
1: Happy.
0: Happy Mother's Day. All right, now we're going to give away, we've got a... (laughs) Now we're gonna give away a massage gift certificate. Come on, help you like a massage. Five nine seven six six six. (laughs) I don't know if we need to read that number in church or not.
1: Oh, Miss Jo! Hey!
0: Happy Mother's Day! You get to enjoy a massage. It's wonderful. All right, and the last thing we're gonna give away, we've got a pedicure pedicure you can go have your feet rubbed and painted everything else by somebody else five nine seven six eight two it's always funny because like when I got to six eight it's like half the room looked up it was like no, mm. six eight two is that anybody in the room six eight two going once oh man going twice we're drawing another one
1: no pressure bravery <laughs>
0: what is it five nine seven six seven seven six seven seven who it yeah hey. all right you get to enjoy right. a pedicure all right so really quickly uh, you saw in the video just a moment ago, His Little Feet, this is International Children's Choir that uh, is going to be at Christ Community Church this Wednesday night, and we want to invite everyone that is a part of this congregation to be a part of that. It's going to be a huge blessing to you. Many of you know Lucas, who is an elder here, now is pastoring over there, and uh, they're having this this children's choir in. It's going to be amazing, so you'll want to be there for that this Wednesday. So if you don't have anything else going on, or maybe you want to set aside some time, be a part of that, we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then the last thing that we want to do uh, before we get into uh, the message today is we want to pray for, uh, pray for specific ladies in the room. Uh, because we know that while most of us are celebrating Mother's Day, there are people that have lost a mom or lost a child or uh, desire to be pregnant but have not been able to see that fulfilled up to this moment. And uh, we know that also while there's celebration with this this uh, day, there's also some heartbreak sometimes mm-hmm. that come along with this day. And so we want to pray, uh, pray for those that might be struggling in that way or that today is a, a difficult day for them. And so I'm going to ask my wife, and she's going to pray, uh, pray over those ladies in the room. So we pray for them.
1: God, we just lift up each and every lady under the sound of my voice, Father, whether in this room or online. Lord, I pray, Lord, that even in the midst of this celebration, Lord, that your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted and to the crushed in spirit. And those that may feel that today, I pray, Lord, that your joy and your peace um, just overtake them. Father, that you comfort them in the only the way that you can. God, that you renew hope today, Father, that you just, you strengthen God and um, whether it be relationships that need mended between a mother and and child father, whether it be a, a just a wayward child father, whether it be a just never being able to have a child or having lost a child father, I thank you and I praise you, Lord, that you are there. God and and I pray, Lord, that these women in here, Lord, that they recognize the moms that they are, whether spiritual moms or physical moms or. Whatever they may be, I thank you that you, uh, they are all important and that you see them and that you uh, love them. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, we're glad that you're here. Today, being Mother's Day, um, I felt like it was the best thing that we can do to hear from uh, what I would call the mother of this house or of this church. And uh, just to honor you for just a moment, uh, we celebrated in April with 16 years of of uh, being married and uh, she's given yeah come on <laughs> and uh, she has she has given me uh, four amazing kids 14 well two of them are about to have birthday, so 14 12 9 and 5 and uh, we're honored to have you and this is this is someone who prays for you all the time <laughs> and uh, not only loves our family well but loves uh, the body of Christ well. Mm. And uh, we're honored to have her be able to share. This is going to be an incredible message. You're going to be so blessed and so encouraged and challenged all at the same time. So come on, one more time, will you clap your hands, and will you welcome my wife, Amanda?
2: I love you.
1: Well, I am honored to be able to speak with you. I'm going to try not to be as long-winded as I was in first service. But as I told them in first service, I know that I know the Lord put something on my heart to share with you guys today. And so I want to say everything that he wants me to say. Nothing more, nothing less. And so um, today I'm going to be speaking to you about let go and take hold. Let go and take hold. About a woman in the Bible that Jesus tells us to remember. But before we get into it, I have a question for you. Have you ever watched a trapeze artist? (laughs) And my son, my nine-year-old, said, what's a trapeze artist? So trapeze artist that swings from bar to bar, and we know that if you've seen them for any period of time, it would never be me. I'm not coordinated enough for that stuff. But in order to, they have to first take hold of a bar, let go, and take hold again in order for that to work, right? And I believe that that's the way that life is. There are things that we have to let go of so we can take hold of what God has for us. And I base this off the scripture where Paul wrote in in Philippians, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. God, I thank you for this opportunity to speak into your sons' and daughters' lives. Father, I pray that you speak through me, that you have your way, that you open ears, eyes, and hearts to receive from you today. I pray, Lord, that you be glorified in all that we say and do, that you just have your way in this place. May we let go of all that you desire for us to let go of so that we can take hold of all that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're going to start off in Hebrews 12. If you want to turn with me there, I'm going to read a few verses. Hebrews 12, 26 through 29. 26 through 29. His voice shook the earth at that time, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This expression, yet once more, indicates the removal of what can be shaken that is, created things, so that what is not shaken might remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. By it we may serve God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. I believe that we all encounter a shaking and during that shaking, we have a choice of what we will take hold of and grab. But I think that there, because of, of the world that we live in, there are a lot of things that we can grab onto. Maybe it's relationships from years past. Maybe it's pornography. It's drugs. It's TV. Shopping. Food. Our money, whether your personal account or stocks, stressing over it. Some have run and grabbed onto busyness, because breathing space, breathing and space makes you think about things you don't want to face. life before. Like the woman we're going to be talking to, talking about today, I think that honestly, there are some of us in here, we're comfortable sitting at tables that we should be flipping in our lives. You know, Jesus, he went into the temple and he flipped tables. And and honestly, I think that as Christians, we have to be really careful because in this, toward the end, the enemy wants us pointing fingers at one another and going to one another and saying, I need to flip this table in your life. When we have tables in our own life, we need to flip. Things that we're getting way too comfortable with that the Lord's wanting us to rid of, to help us. Because anything that we choose to grab onto and lean into that isn't Christ, when we are stressed, sad, fearful, it's hindering our walk, our ability to fully follow. If you missed the message last week, Gabriel talked about our, our need to follow the Lord and how we do that, and I highly encourage you to you go back and listen to that if you missed it. But I really believe that this goes hand in hand in order to follow, fully follow. We have to let go of some things, even sometimes good things in our life that the Lord's asking us to so that we can take hold of all that he has for us. And Hebrews 12 was talking about shaking some things. He says, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens, shaking these things that need to be shaken. And I thought about, if you've been part of impact any period of time, you know I say it. I'm a visual learner, so I like to show visuals. And I thought about even with a snow globe. And when this snow globe, it's a bear in the middle of it that we got from Colorado. But when you begin to shake it, all the things that, are on the bottom, come up. And I believe that the Lord allows shaking in our lives so that the things that are in there that don't need to be, as John would say, that need to be pruned away, he can shake. But I think that a lot of times we're holding on to things the Lord's trying to shake away. We're clinging to that relationship that you know you need to let go of. You're clinging and hiding to that sin at night that you think no one knows about, but you know he sees and he knows, and he's been working on your heart. You're clinging to that grief and that unforgiveness, that bitterness, because it's so much easier than moving on and letting it go. Sometimes it can just be holding on to comfort, but God hasn't called us to be comfortable. He's called us to be effective. I know sometimes it can be something toxic in our life, yet we hold on to it because we know it. We know what to expect. We hold on to that unforgiveness. We hold on to that old way of thinking. We hold on to the blaming the people or that person from our past that they're the reason why I hate this day, and it may even be God at this point in your life, that you're just like, I'm not a fan anymore I don't believe anymore. I show up, but I don't have relationship anymore because I feel like he forgot about me. He didn't answer me. And I get that. I've been there. I've been there mad at him. But I really believe today that God wants to help heal hearts and help you let go of some things that you're clinging to, that you think you're able to be who you're meant to be, but you're not at all who he's called you to be because you're holding on to things he's wanting you to let go of. He's not trying to knock you off balance, he's not trying to hurt you, he's trying to help you. The shaking in our lives, it's necessary to build a deeper foundation, to help us become who he's called us to be. Some of us in here, he may just be trying to shake religion off and help us to take hold of relationship with him more. Because the reality is you come in here every Sunday and you sit here, but you never open the word during the week. You never speak a word to him. You never listen to his whispers. And he desires so much more than just this ritual of church and don't get me wrong it's necessary it's it's needed Hebrews tells us don't forsake the gathering of the saints for a reason but it isn't it doesn't make your relationship that's on you that's your personal your personal thing there was a lady in the Bible that was doing the same thing she was trying to hold on to something God was trying to rid of in her life Instead of being salt in the world in our future, we become a pillar of salt and stuck in our past, just like her. Scripture speaks of her in Genesis, but this one scripture I want to focus on for a moment. Lot's wife, she misplaced longing. Her misplaced longing caused her to linger where she was meant to not look back. She was torn between where she was going and where she was leaving. And it it talks about this actually in Luke 17, 32. And I'm only going to read this one verse. Because in verse 20, it started talking about the end times and how Jesus, all that was going to happen when Jesus returned. But then randomly in verse 32, Jesus' words are this. Because we know nothing he says is random, right? So intentional. He says, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. Second shortest verse in the Bible. We all know first shortest, Jesus wept. But often we don't talk about what's the second shortest verse, remember Lot's wife. And I just began to wonder, why would Jesus come out and say to remember her? And I believe it's because he knew that we as humans, we would struggle with just looking back with wondering what could have been, with thinking about what should have been, with hoping for what was instead of taking hold of what's in front of us. It's the only woman in the Bible he actually said to remember. The only other woman he references, he actually said to remember her deed. Remember her deed. And it was the woman that poured the oil at his feet. And he said, remember her deed. Remember what she did because she laid it all out at his feet. But Lot's wife, not Eve, the first woman, not Sarah, the oldest woman to birth the child, not Miriam, the worship leader, not Deborah, the first judge, but Lot's wife to remember her. Not even his own mother, which he honored so many times in the Bible, but I do find that interesting. I'm like, I hope my kids reference me one day. I mean, I did give birth to them, you know. But jokes aside, I believe it's because there's importance to what happened. And I'm not going to read all the verses, but in Genesis 19, 15 through 26, you can find the story of when the angel came to Lot. The angel came to Lot, and he said, the angel said to them, one command, you're going to leave, but don't look back. How many of you mamas in here, you've said one thing that you're like, don't forget it? don't forget. Tell your kids, don't forget. I did this the other day, and I told my oldest two, I'm like, one thing I need you to do while I'm gone. Put up the dishes. I come back home, and how many of you know, mamas know what I found? A dishwasher full of dishes. And when I went to them, and I said, hey, what did I ask y'all to do? Hmm. And it's almost as Lot's wife just completely forgot the one thing she was told not to do. Don't look back. But I don't think she forgot. I think that she, like all of us, could relate. She lingered and she longed. Scripture doesn't say what she longed for. It may have been relationships, friends that were there. I've been there where you leave a season of your life and you know the Lord's calling you, but you hate to leave those that are behind you, you long for whatever it may be that was there, and I don't know. Maybe it was just the memories. I mean, we, we've sold a house, and you have the memories of bringing your children home. Maybe that's all it was for. I don't know. But she found herself turned into a pillar of salt. They were warned, and, and that's why I have this here, because I believe that if, if you've been on a farm or anything of sorts, you know what this is. This is just a visual to help you see just this is a a block of salt, which I will have no purpose for after this message, and we'll give it to somebody that can make good use of it. But Scripture tells us to be people that are salt of the world. And I find it interesting of all the things that Lot's wife was turned into. It's the thing that we're told to be in the world. She was turned into salt a solid mass of salt, a pillar of salt. There's actually some, like, studies that they've done that they think they know where she was, that there's actually, like, a form of stone. It's not proven. I just found it interesting. It's in the desert of Sodom, right on Mount Sodom. But we're all called to be salt of the earth, and we can't do this in the earth, in our marriage, with our kids, in the church, in our workplace when we've allowed ourselves to become this. And I think that there are some of us, we're like this in every way. We don't even feel like ourselves anymore. We're going through the motions. Some of us, maybe it's just one area, and you know this is you. I've been there. I've been there stuck in being a pillar of salt in some way or another. But the good news is, is that we don't have to be like Lot's wife and stay there. We don't have to stay stuck in a solid mass. We can allow the Lord to do a work. We don't have to stay stuck in pain. We don't have to stay stuck in depression, offense, bitterness, unforgiveness. And I know personally that this day it can be that. It, it it can be a place of pain because you long so deeply to have a child or you never had a child and you've had to release that dream and you're, you're past it that, that your mom was not a mom and you were the mom. So this stage is, frankly, it just sucks altogether and you're not a fan. For different reasons or another, I get it. And I'm sorry. But I hope today that you can allow the Lord to show you maybe some areas of your life that you've allowed yourself to become a pillar of salt and he wants to help you sprinkle and be salt again. Maybe you're stuck in a year that you remember the exact day, the hour, the moment. I remember being stuck on the day, March 31st. It was when our first baby was due. And every year I remember the day, but it hurts a lot less. But I remember being stuck on it. I remember being stuck on the day that we ended up in the hospital leaving church because I knew something was wrong. And I was losing that baby. I remember. And I had a choice, and I'm not going to lie, I was this for a little while. I was mad at God walk around seeing other moms pregnant and I just longed to be a mom and now I didn't even know if I could handle it again because I didn't know if I could handle the heartbreak but God but God I believe that we are called to glance back you know scripture tells us to 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 remember the things he did but not find ourselves stuck like this just looking back longing for what was longing for what could be maybe that interruption that came that you didn't expect or you weren't even wanting there are four things that I believe we have to let go of so that we can take hold of all that God has for us number one let go of being self dependent to take hold of God dependence Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not rely on your own understanding. In all your ways, know him, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. You know, one of our elders um, this last weekend, our prayer devotion, if you are not taking part in that, I highly encourage you. We annually do May We Pray, and we do a Bible devotion together as a church on the Bible app. And one of our elders, he actually shared in there, which I thought it was so neat because my sermon was written out completely, but he shared how on this exact same scripture that in the Hebrew, acknowledge means to be aware, to discover, to experience, to find, that we are aware of God, that we discover him, that we experience him, that we find him. I'm God-dependent when I acknowledge him in all my ways, whether I'm spending time with my kids, whether I'm at my workplace, whether I'm with my friends, if I'm in a desperate or crisis need, it's a recognition and a realization that in everything I do, God, I need you. Letting go of trying to understand and take hold of trust in our Heavenly Father. And it's something that I think as humans we can all relate with, but Some of you may have heard some of these stories, but for the sake of those that maybe haven't, um, you know I, I will share what our family is walking through, what I have walked through at times, and here's why I do. I don't want your pity, but what I do want is I want you to never feel like Elijah when he sat in the cave and he said, am I the only one? That if anything, you hear me and you watch me and you see that you are not the only one. And our stories may differ to a point, but I can guarantee you there's someone in the room that could save me too, that has thought the thoughts that you have thought that have cried the tears for the same reason. You've heard great testimonies from our family. I'm so incredibly thankful my dad was here at first service. His dad is still like recovering and getting better, but we've walked through moments that it didn't end that way. I watched two grandparents suffer and die from cancer. And I will never understand. Never. And I was stuck there mad because, man, I was believing for healing here on earth. And I know that they received healing in heaven. And as I tell my kids often, even with their granddad, I say, he's dancing and singing the bass line away. I know he is. But it didn't change the heartache that met us here on earth. The prayers that didn't come the way I thought that they would. Why did I have to struggle with depression the way I did? A few years back, I shared one of the hardest messages I've ever shared. I walked through a season of depression and suicidal thoughts. And I remember thinking, how Can someone that's supposed to be a pastor's wife and has these healthy four kids, so much to be thankful for, yet struggling to get up off the couch, not up for facing the day, and I don't even think I could make it to tomorrow to be told that it's going to be okay, and I really wasn't sure if it was going to be. But thank God with help, With Tom, with the love of my husband, with the love of my family, with the love of my church family, with some counseling, with medicine for a season. And please do not email me about your disagreement with medicine that's between each and every person. I was able to see the other side. Why would we have to lose a child? I already mentioned that we lost our first child. I don't know. We fostered for a season, and we were told the whole time we were going to adopt, going to be able to adopt her. It was a shoo-in thing. And then it all got ripped out from under us. And I'm not going to lie, I was a pillar of salt stuck in that waiting room when the caseworker came out and said, I'm sorry, it's a no. And I was stuck with a crushed spirit And weeping to my husband said, was it because God didn't think I was going to be the mom she needed? And we all know that was a lie from the enemy. But I had a choice to stay and be this or let him take me back right here. And it's the same with you. And maybe you don't find yourself in a heartache today. I'm so thankful. But the reality is you will find yourself there at times. Maybe today, your letting go looks so different. It's just letting go of the plans that you thought you and the Lord had, and they just totally flipped. Maybe it's letting go of the child that you're, you, you want to be able to help, and nothing's helping, or that you don't even speak anymore. It's letting go of, of the dream. But here's the difference that I believe. We let go of the dream. We hold on to him knowing that he knows the desires of our heart. We don't let go of the hope of the desires that he's placed in our heart. We don't let go of him. And I'm not going to lie, I found myself in moments of just letting go of him. Of going through the motions. Being so angry, I didn't even feel like myself. Smiling on the outside, but broken on the inside and pissed at the world and everyone. Yet God met me right there. And it reminded me of the story in John 5. When Jesus, he went to the man that had been laying there. Scripture says he had been lame for 38 years. But he found himself by the pool. And here's what I know. This man was surrounded by a bunch of broken people. Yet Jesus came to him and he said, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And this man responded with all these things, but no one will help me in this and that. I think stuck, focused on looking back at the last 38 years. I mean, who wouldn't be? You've not been able to use your legs at all. Yet he found himself talking to Jesus, and Scripture says he interrupted him and asked him again, Do you want to get well? And we all know how this story ends. But I believe that in the same way that Jesus met the lame man, he wants to meet you today. And he's asking you, do you want to get well? Are you tired of being stuck in shame? Are you tired of being stuck in grief and unforgiveness and bitterness? Are you tired of being stuck in fear and not being obedient to what the Lord has asked of you because of all your reasons? Are you tired of being mad? That maybe if the things I said, you know, some of you may have been bothered by my language and the word I use. We don't use it in our home. My kids are not allowed to. I will probably hear about that at home because they're sitting right here. (laughs) But at the same time that you could relate. Maybe some of you in here are like, oh, my goodness, what church am I coming to that the pastor's wife, this is all the things. It is all the things because I'm a human just like you. And if I can't stand here and tell you the broken pieces of me, I can't expect you to show up in a grow group and be willing to show, share the broken pieces of you. And we need that. We need that. This lame man found himself surrounded by people that were broken and they all believed that the pool was the thing. It was what was going to make them well. It was what was going to change everything, yet we all know that wasn't the answer. Psalm 130, verse 5 in the Passion Translation says, This is why I wait upon you, expecting your breakthrough, for your word brings me hope. I believe that sometimes God will wait for the expiration of your expectation so he can manifest his glorification. How many of you know, I think that this man, this lame man, as he laid there, there was a time when he tried he'd muster, I don't know, army, crawl, something. If you've seen The Chosen, you see the picture they paint of it. Who knows? But then eventually, after time and time again of being trampled on, he quit even trying to get to the pool. And some of you can relate to that. You felt trampled on. You feel like you've tried. You, you feel like you've given Jesus another chance, but it's just not working. You feel like you've hoped again for it. And, and that, that expiration, you feel it. That's all you feel is the expiration. I remember almost four years of waiting for a house to sell when we moved here. Contract after contract, falling through. And I'm like, Lord, we obeyed you. I know we're supposed to be here. Yet contract after contract falling through the expiration of my timing of the house selling. And yet God was working it all out. And he was being glorified and did a work in me, did a sure shaking in me that I didn't like, but that grew me in such a great way. We all know that just like I shared, yes, I am the pastor's wife that has struggled had a season of struggling with depression and suicide. And I'm not going to lie, not the suicidal thoughts, but even fighting at times and seasons of struggling with depression. That even with the health issues, I don't get it. I have prayed and asked the Lord to heal me, and he's done some things in me. But I also knew that physically, although he hasn't done all that I hoped for, he's doing a work inside of me. And maybe you find yourself there, that you're walking through something. And I want to share how you can see I am not perfect. That our family has walked through crushing seasons. That mistakes have been made. That things have been done that can't be erased. And the reality is that we, as we often say, we are a church full of imperfect people serving a perfect God. But first I want to say that just like this... The man was surrounded by people that it's important who you surround yourself with. That lame man, I wonder, would it have played out any differently if he hadn't gone and surrounded himself by a bunch of other people seeking a pool to heal him? And maybe today you find yourself surrounded by other broken people that they agree with you and they make you feel good about where you're at right now, but you know they're not helping you be the best version of you that they're not pointing you to the Lord that is really who's going to help us. Your own self-dependence could be getting past your past mistakes and sins to let God fully use you. Because when we constantly allow the enemy to remind us of our past, we allow him to make our sins mistakes greater than our God in our hearts and our minds. And I believe that someone in here needs to hear this. The thing you've been ashamed about can actually become a testament of his grace, if you will let it. When we allow ourselves to get stuck in a cycle of shame, we cloud our judgment and make it more about us than him. May we not do that. Even shame, you may say, yeah, but you don't know what I did. But he does. And he loves you and he forgives you. And he's washed it away and wants to help you help others. I can't tell you how many of the mistakes that we've made or the, the hard that we've walked through, how God's used it for us to help people in our future that we didn't even know we're going to need it. And yet you being stuck in your shame, people are missing out on the gift of you in their lives because you're basically telling the Lord, uh, what I did is greater than what you did for me. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. And I've been there. Number two, let go of burden and take hold of freedom. Galatians 5.1, for freedom Christ set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to the yoke of slavery. The Lord was trying to free Lot and his family. Yet Lot's wife struggled to let go and didn't experience freedom because she chose not to obey the one things the angels said to do. Don't look back. And some of us, it may be picking up that old habit, that old sin that you know doesn't help you, but man, it feels good in the moment. Some of us, it may be that addiction to shopping that you know, or that social media that you jump on, or that relationship that you keep running back to, or the excuses you keep making of why you can't, whatever it may be. I need a, can you give me a tape measure? I laid mine down there. Everybody should, everybody, thank you, buddy. Everybody should have one of these in your seat. And if you don't, um, if you would just raise your hand, if there's not one near you, if you will find one, um, they will have an extra one if you need one, because you need one, I promise. And trust me, we're not measuring waist or thighs, any body parts, nothing's going to be measured, thank God. But I want you to do something for me. Did everybody get one? Everybody needs one. Right over here. Did you get one? Cassie, do you see him? Right here, Stephen. Thank you. So I want you to take your finger, and I want you to place it on your age. Ah! I love it. Even in first service, you could hear. I told them, I said, listen for the people making noises. Now, these are the older people in the room, and make friends with them because this is what I said. I told them in the first service, and I'm going to tell you again, if you don't have a friend that is older than you, a mentor in your life that is more seasoned than you, that's gone further than you, you need to get one because you are missing out. They have wisdom to give that you don't have. It's great to have friends that are walking alongside you that are in the same seasons, but you need men, women. If you're a woman, find you another woman. If you're a man, find you another man that are further down the tape than you because they can help you. I'm so thankful for the women in my life that are like that. But take your finger put it on your age. What I believe is that maybe you find yourself, and this to my right is... The part that I've already done, the part that's gone, the part I can't change, the part that's full of heartache, the part that's full of sweet memories, and I can cling to when my kids were tiny back in this time. I can, I can cling to the pain of the past, or I can take it and I can focus on this part. The part that God still has for me. The part that I have left. And if I'm busy, focused on this, I'm not catching the moments he's got for me on this. I'm missing it because these are quickly fleeting. Scripture in James tells us that life is but a vapor, and it is. One thing that this season with our dads has taught us is that you don't know what tomorrow holds. And thank God they're both still walking on this earth, but we knew with both of them, we were so close to losing them. And you don't get those moments back where moments of, was I a good daughter? Was I a good son? What, what could I have done differently? We should have spent more time together. You know, his family, they live six hours from here, so it's not easy to go see them. And we find ourselves making more phone calls now and because life is but a vapor. And we know that even though this may seem pretty long, it will quickly flee. But I think that so often the enemy keeps pulling us back into this with condemnation of who we once were or what we did. But you've got to know that you are now a child of God. Don't let the enemy trick you back into old ways or old habits or old ways of thinking. You, my friend, each of you, you are no fool. You are wise to the schemes of the enemy. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said he comes that you may have life and have it to the full. And I believe that some of you, maybe in here, you say, well, that's great and all. I like your little thing. Maybe some of you, you literally, you need to just cut this part off of where you've been because you need it to just fall away. And keep the other part and thank the Lord for what you have left. Breathe the breath he's given you, the gift of today, and don't waste it. Don't waste it being mad. Don't waste it being in grief. And please don't misunderstand me. You have to grieve. Forgiveness is a process. I get that. I have been in counseling for it. I I know but at the same time that we don't stay stuck in it. Because when we stay stuck in it, we become a mess that is not pliable in the hands of the Lord. And the reality is is that we will all die. We cut this off. I had some, some lovely people cut this off at 100. And no, I'm not declaring that you will die at 100. That's totally in the Lord's hands. But the reality is we will all die someday. We all know that. But we all get to choose whether we'll fully live or not. And you're not fully living if you're living it angry or or grieving, still stuck in that place. Number three, let go of distraction and take hold of direction. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Hadley showed me something a, a couple of weeks ago, and I have no intention of paying her. Because you guys know that her dad agreed, their dad agreed, that we would pay them when we mentioned them. But I said, I'm not paying you for this. She brought it to me, and I was like, I'm adding this to my message. I'm not paying you. I'm not, I'm not paying her. She, she's not getting paid this time. <laughs> but God, it says this, God is preparing me for what he has prepared for me. The reality is, is God has already prepared the way. He's just preparing you. And we don't like the preparing part. I didn't like the preparing part when we waited for the house to sell, when we waited for our, our first baby to be born, when, we, when, we waited for, when I waited for the grief of my grandpa passing, when I waited for the grief of losing Abby and, and her moving away. But he was preparing me. But we get to choose not to get distracted along the way. And I think that we as humans and all that's available in our world today will easily get distracted by Netflix or social media or that relationship that we know isn't right or the next best thing that we could find on Amazon. Let's not be people that get distracted by a season that we miss the purpose. I'm not going to lie. I've been distracted at times with the difficulty of the season this last year for our family. More focused on the difficulty and the heart of it May we not be distracted by what others think. Man, have I been guilty of that. Because the reality is is that trying to control what others think of us is killing the compassion inside of us. And when I was thinking about this part about being distracted, I was reminded of the scripture in Luke 24 where Cleopas and this, um, this unknown companion that was walking with him, they were traveling on the road to Emmaus. But how many of you know where they were headed? They were headed back to where they came from. They were headed back to where they came from because they had hoped Jesus would redeem Israel, and he didn't. So time's up, they're headed back. But on their way back to where they came from, how many of us can relate to that? We're headed back to that place of comfort. We're headed back to that thing we know, to that old relationship, to that habit to social media as if that's going to help. It does not. (laughs) They missed what was right in front of them because on the road, they actually came to Jesus, and they didn't even know it because they were distracted going back to where they came from. And I think that that's us a lot of times. We're like Lot's wife. We're distracted, looking back, turned into a pillar of salt, missing Jesus right in front of us maybe you had hoped that marriage was going to make it you'd hope that person wasn't going to die you'd hope that friend didn't betray you that business didn't fail hey let's be honest that that person actually sitting across the sanctuary didn't hurt your feelings because who would do that a lot of times the church hurt actually hurts more than a lot of other when we're all a bunch of broken people trying to love Jesus and we're going to hurt each other at times but we get stuck there that we miss the presence of God. If we spend too much time looking down, looking back, scrolling, we will lose hope. And the enemy knows his time is short. Scripture tells us that in the end, people's hearts will grow cold. And I'm not going to lie, I have found myself in moments after time that I told my husband, my heart's cold. And I was just letting the enemy toy with me and and play with me and, and doing exactly what he wanted because he wants our hearts to grow cold. He wants us to be people that aren't compassionate, that we don't see the needs of those around us, that we think we're the only one, that we're stuck in bitterness, that we think we know the right way, that we whatever, that we're stuck in the unanswered prayer, whatever it may be, That we lose sight of the purpose. Maybe you're distracted simply being in a season of parenting little ones or teenagers. Come on, somebody. That we miss the purpose. We miss the beauty. The season of being retired. That you miss the true purpose God has for you or wants to show you what He can do in and through you. Our purpose isn't always the same in every season. We have to learn to pivot. You don't have to push pause on your purpose. Ask him if you need to pivot. Don't waste your moments. Don't waste them. This may be a season where he's saying, hey, your purpose is still there. I just need you to pivot right now. We'll come back to that. Or maybe you won't. I don't know. We've had things that, good things in our lives that we knew they were great. And I know that I know the Lord had called us to, yet it was time to pivot. And move on and there are seasons of that James 4 14 once again reminds us that life is a vapor you don't know what tomorrow holds and why would we waste today being distracted when we can take hold of direction let go of 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 that in order to take hold of the future to prioritize our future over the past to drop the if only well if only I was married if only I had that child, and please, I'm not minimizing your pain. I remember I, I was young when I got married, so I don't even know the, the being single. We were children when we got married, bless the Lord. So we've grown up together. But, um, but nonetheless, I, I, I know I've walked with my sister through a season of, she had a longer season of singleness. I know that's not easy. I don't understand personally, but I, I've seen that. I, I know only momentarily what it was like to long for a child. I don't, I don't know your pain, so I'm not minimizing it. But, but that we not be stuck in that if only. If only she didn't say that. Well, if only he didn't do that. What's going to happen economically? Come on, somebody. We all know we've had those questions. What's going to happen psychologically? I don't know. But I know he does. And our only answer is to fix our eyes on him. Because the second I get stressed about economically or, or will wh- what's going to happen, is, my, is our taxes going to go up so far, is money even going to be a thing, or is, you know, all the questions. Then I become stuck and distracted, not focused. There are a few things I do know. That when we fix our eyes on Jesus, we're reminded that he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That he, with the joy set before him, he endured. So he will help us endure whatever we may face. That he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. So I will not live in the if only. I have. I've had my moments. I've had my seasons. Long seasons. Seasons where I've said to to friends, this season is like a never-ending season hard thing after hard thing moments of saying I feel like I'm drowning and I can't breathe yet I'm breathing and you can too number four to let go of talking and take hold of action James 1 says be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself May the shaking move us from talking to actual action. Sharon Miller said this: that the power of the gospel is not not that it makes us feel good about ourselves, but that it calls us to something so much bigger than us. Come on, that dream that's in your heart—it's bigger than you, and you don't have it figured out. But he didn't ask you to. That that business that failed, and he's saying to start again. He knows the fears that you have, but he wants to help you move past them. We as humans, were really good about even posting what needs to be done or the need to make different to make a difference rather than truly trying to take action. And please don't understand me because you, this Impact Church is an incredible church family that every time when a need has been presented that there are, so many people that come forward and whether physical needs or, or being just a person to listen and hug, you're so great at it. But I think that it's always something that we can evaluate. Am I being a person that just simply talks about it or is acting on it? That we stop being people that just simply say, I'll pray for you, but we stop in the moment and actually pray with them. Or we pick up the phone and pray over them. That we move from posting, oh, there's a need, but if you could deliver the groceries yourself, that you would be the one to do that. That you would pay for the person in front of you because you heard the whisper, and as crazy as you think you may seem, that it's just what they needed today. That you would pay for the person's meal at the restaurant, even though you know your bill. The Lord already has it all anyways. But that you would listen to the whisper that you would give away the thing that you could sell because, I mean, it's always nice to get that extra 300, that 50, that whatever, but you know he's told you to give that away instead of just sell it because someone has a need. I found it interesting that when I was studying in Ezekiel 16 verse 49... This is actually talking about Sodom. And and it's so much of when you hear this story talked about sexual immorality of the people is what was pointed out and and why the land was destroyed. But actually in Ezekiel it points out some other things that they were struggling with. It says, now this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride. Come on somebody, there ain't one of us in here that hadn't struggled with that. Plenty of food, comfortable security, but they didn't support the poor and needy. The sin wasn't just the sexual immorality. The sin was the pride, the, the living in comfort, the, the excess of food, not sharing the extra you may have. Or, I mean, let's get real in here, maybe going to food for comfort. I've been guilty of it instead of the Lord. But it's time we move from talking to real action that we quit having conversations about that person. That we know that loves God or once come to church or, or whatever and all in the name of Jesus we come to someone in concern when we haven't even spoken a prayer to the Lord for them. I know I'm getting up in your business today, but let's be honest, I've been guilty of the same thing when Scripture clearly states that gossiping is a sin. And instead of having a conversation about somebody, you could actually go to them and actually make a change. And I'm not talking about saying, hey, you're totally wrong. You need to get this right, Brian. No, I'm talking about, man, I care about you. And I don't recommend you going to a man. He just was right here. But if you're a female, go to a female. Let let the man go to the man. But hey, Erica, I see, are you okay? I see you're struggling that we be people that meet them where they were at. Come on, Jesus did that all the time. Met the people where they were at. Not with pointed fingers, speaking truth, but doing it in love. And sometimes I think that we can be real quick to say, well, I'm speaking truth, but where's the love? Because your finger's pointing, but our hearts aren't showing. That we really care about people. And the fact that people are going to hell, Come on, people are stuck today, and they don't have to be. I've been one of those people sitting in this sanctuary, stuck. And if it weren't for people that came and said, I'm here, I'm sorry. I love you. You don't have to stay this way. I don't know where I would be. you don't have to stay stuck. And if we're people that simply slip in in the back of the sanctuary, slip into our chairs and slip out, not getting in community, not being changed. I don't want to get ahead of myself. They're about to do a dance, performance. And I want you to watch. And whether it be the lyrics, whether it be the, the things that they do, I hope you see what he wants you to see. That the people around you matter. Matter. That seeking the Lord matters. That you today, I hope that you see, you don't have to give up on Jesus. And maybe today you have, but you can hope again. You don't have to give up on the people around you. You can lift your eyes. You don't have to stay stuck where you're at, angry at the world or or at that one person hating this holiday. You can move on. I want you to watch this. Your community matters. This is why we preach Grow groups so much. Because you need people that will point you back to Jesus. I found myself, I have found myself, and you have found yourself in hard seasons. And it's easy to surround ourselves with people that simply agree with us. But we need people that will point us to where it truly matters. The key to moving forward is letting go, not letting go of God, but letting go of everything else: the self-dependence, the burdens, the distractions and the talking. May we not be just talkers. May we be doers? The James 4:17 tells us that, that to know what you ought to do and not do it, it's a sin. And then you know, I got to thinking, and honestly, the Lord and I had to have a conversation because this isn't just like, oh, to know what you ought to do, to quit doing that thing that you know is a clear sin that you think no one knows about and you keep doing. To, well, he's not, I don't think he's just talking about that. I think it's when you know what the Lord's asked of you and you're just choosing not to do it. And you all know, like, I've had my things I make excuses for, I let my insecurities do the talking, I let my excuses pave the way instead of being obedient. And not being obedient to him is a sin. Will you stand with me? We cannot grab hold of our future if we're clinging to our past. Isaiah 43:19 says tells, tells us, I am about to do something new, even now it is coming. Do you not see it? Indeed, I will make a way in the wilderness. Rivers in the desert. Do you not perceive it? Do you not perceive it? Can you see it? Can you see it today? Can you see that he's paving away just as we prayed? Just as we sang today, that when we pray and when he moves, where stood a wall now stands away. We had a lady in the church this last week that she had hurt her shoulder from a previous injury and she said on Thursday morning when she got up, she just prayed, Lord, heal me. I don't know what all she said, but that's not important because she said it hasn't hurt since. Because that's the kind of God that we serve. A healing, a miracle working, a way paving God. Yet how often we'll stay stuck in a place of fear or stuck in in a place, even sometimes a, a, a fear of, for our children. Come on, mamas, that is real, we fight that, right? Fear for, for our, our, our kids to love the Lord, or to be safe, or whatever, but they're His, and if we'll just trust them with him, to Him, you know? I'm gonna ask the prayer team to come up. Maybe today you need to let go of unforgiveness, because that person that did you wrong, it was wrong. But it's only holding you back. It's only keeping you from moving forward in your tape because maybe some of you in here, something happened when you were, mm, something happened when you were eight. And you're still stuck here. All the while life's happening because somebody did you wrong. Somebody touched you in a way they shouldn't have. And you're stuck there. He doesn't want you stuck there anymore. Some of you, you're stuck at at 16 because, man, you made a lot of dumb mistakes. Who didn't when they were 16, right? But you're stuck there thinking about all the things that you did and up until this point, well, I didn't really know the Lord until I was 28. So, you know, all that time I wasted. Cut it off. Forget about it because you have what's left. Don't waste it being stuck a pillar of salt, the hard, the hurt. Don't waste it being insecure. It's never too late to chase your dreams, right, Heath? Never too late. Never too late to obey. Never too late. The Lord will open the door at the right time and make a way where there seems to be no way. Maybe today is the day, the last Mother's Day, that you woke up hating this day because the Lord wants to help you and heal you maybe today is the last day that you walk in here and you said I've already come so many times to be prayed for but today's the day that just like the lame man he could have said I've been here for 38 years I give up this is done I'm gonna die this way but one moment this could be your moment that you not sit in your seats today when you come forward all you're doing is saying I'm broken. The reality is we all should be up here. We all need prayer for something or another. We all have something we can let go of. Maybe it's just saying today, I need to just fully give it all to Him. Maybe you don't have one thing specific. Or maybe you do, but you'll come forward because all of these people standing here, they've been broken at times. They've been stuck at times, and they want to agree with you They want to see you taking hold of that freedom and letting go of that burden and laying it at his feet. And may you not be remembered like Lot's wife was, that you were caught looking back, but that you're taking hold of all that God has for you, that you're letting go of unforgiveness, of that resentment, that anger, that comfort, that disappointment that blaming, come on somebody, somebody in here, you've been blaming so and so, rightfully so, but your blaming's not hurting anybody else but you, and you're blaming them, it's not helping you move forward, it's not helping you be who you're called to be, you're hurting and you need healed, somebody in here, you've been operating in so much shame, and the, and the Lord's just lovingly sitting there saying, I've forgiven that, can you let that go? I want to help you help others. But you can't help others if you're stuck in shame. If you're stuck in fear. If you're refusing to obey what he's asked you to do. To lay down what he's asked you to lay down. May we let go and take hold of all that he has for us. You bow your head with me. Father, I thank you right now. In Jesus' name, I thank you for each and every person under the sound of my voice. I pray right now in Jesus' name a boldness, a sickening, a sick and tired of being sick and tired. A sick and tired of playing the blame game. A sick and tired of making excuses anymore. A sick and tired of being stuck in grief or stuck in resentment or stuck in unforgiveness or mad about what happened. Someone in here, you're just mad about what happened to your loved one. I've been there. Man, I've been there mad and sad because they didn't deserve that. Watching them suffer or watching them go through things that we just don't understand. But you can't help them if you're stuck being mad for them. They have the grace to walk through it, not you. Father, I lift up each and every person to you and wherever they land, even if it wasn't something I named. God, that they will release it to you. They will let go so they can take hold of all that you have for them. Let go so you can take hold. That just like the lame man, that Jesus had something he wanted him to receive, may we not be like the lame man sitting there saying, well, this and that and this and that and mad for all these reasons. May we just receive what you have for us and let go of what we've been holding on to may we be God dependent may we walk in full freedom so we can fully live live life abundantly some of us in here we don't even know what that's like because we've been walking we've been stumbling we've been zombified walking doing the day in and day out And I just feel the spirit just saying that is not what he has for you. That you say you've been doing it. You've been being you. You're doing you. But the Lord said this isn't you. This is the hard pillar salt version of you. That he has something better for you. Freedom. Direction. Action. He loves you, and He's calling you. As we sing this last song, I encourage you. I know that it's hard. I have literally vomited vulnerability up here, but I've had those moments where I had to first privately say, this is where I'm at. And I was terrified. What are these people going to think of me? I literally stood on the porch and looked this person in the eyes, one of the first people I told I thought I might want to kill myself mortified of what she was gonna go home and think show nothing but love kindness met with a hug and I guarantee you you're afraid you're gonna be met with judgment but there have been many others that have met me in other seasons that have loved me just the same and I will tell you like I tell many what you're afraid people will judge you for they'll love you for love you even more for your willingness just to be open and honest we are all broken people All of us in need of a savior. And even when we love him, that doesn't change that we are broken seeking a perfect father. And he will help us. He will empower us. So I pray you don't leave this room. That you lay it down. Whether you come personally and don't even have somebody pray with you. Or you come hold hands with somebody. You come say and you lay it out there. And let it go so you can take hold today.
2: I love that God's word is living and it's moving and it changes, you know, multiple times. Whenever we read it, it it can change what it means to you. During the second service, I've been here for the first, during the second service, that it hit me different whenever you said that Jesus interrupted the man who was lame. The man who was lame was trying to say, but what about, I've tried that, you know and jesus interrupted him i don't want to be like those people who were on their way back and totally miss jesus because they weren't paying attention i want to let jesus interrupt me and i feel like he was wanting to tell someone here let jesus interrupt you let him step in and totally crash your plans interrupt you and change what you're doing because you're paying attention and you're allowing him to interrupt your plans